Get in the north side, looking for a vibe on the Friday night. Shit, ain't that right? Me and both my niggas kick it in the north side. What's up, everyone? This is Content Kings. You are now Center of Royalty. My name is Drew. It's Khalil. Jerm. Kyler. As you may notice, Carson's not here. Um, he had PTO, so he took this week off. He will be back next week. <laughs> uh, so we have a special guest for you guys today. Um, his name is Devon Pouncey. He went to Pacific University with me for two years. He's the big homie. He transferred in my freshman year. He's he's a man of many trades. He works in sports broadcasting as a college broadcaster for Portland State University. He works for Street Roots, which is a nonprofit organization where they help the homeless get employed. Um, he what else does he do, guys? Oh, he has he has his own podcast, Wake Up and Win, which is amazing, pretty dope. Has some really good guests on there. Um, you might know some people. Who's your Chargers guy? What's his name? Uh, Jason Verrett, man. He <laughs> said, so who's yeah. your Chargers guy? Yeah, now with the Niners, a big-time guy. Uh, he does a lot of things. Oh, full-time father of three mm-hmm. as well, deeply into politics. You might see him in the news a couple times if you're in the Portland area. Um, so, yeah, he's a big deal. Did I miss anything? I feel like. No, I think you summed it up. All right. Native of Alejo. Nate, Alejo. yes, 707, <laughs> big-time guy. Um, so we talk a little bit about everything, man. We just go through his life, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, if you're, if you've ever been through adversity, um, if you need some inspiration, um, if you're just looking for a good vibe, just a this, good conversation yeah, overall. This yeah. this was a really good episode. So go check it out. Thanks, guys. We have another very special guest, Big Homie Pounce. How you doing, man? All is well, man. I'm glad to be here and rocking with y'all. Good, good, good. All right, so we should introduce ourselves again, just in case they don't know who we are. So my name is Drew. Khalil. This is Jerm. And this is Kyler. Um, As you guys could tell, if you guys have seen any of our other episodes, we got uh, one man missing today. Facts, uh, facts. A little PTO. It's all good. It's all good. There you go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So me and Pounce go way back. I met Pounce in 2014 in my first year of uh, college, fresh out of high school. Uh... Me and him were kind of supposed to be the Kobe and Shaq. My first official visit, it was me and Pounce running these dudes oh, apart in the up. runs. Okay. Running, running these up. dudes apart in runs. <laughs> they weren't really ready, bro. Pounce was the only dude who really let me talk my shit in practice. The rest of them hated it. So me and Pounce was always on a cool page. Absolutely. Um. So thanks thanks for coming on, Pounce, bro. Thanks. Oh, man. I- I'm glad to be here, bro. I love to support anybody that's just in this space and just willing to go for it. You know what I mean? That's... The hardest part, the hardest part is jumping off the porch and, you know, getting in the field with it. So I'm glad to see y'all doing what it is that y'all doing. And I always support anybody that's willing to just kind of take off with it. Much love, man. Appreciate much love. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. So uh, starting off, uh, so doing our research, we saw you were from the 707. Those <laughs> who don't know, that's uh, Vallejo, California. To quote, uh, to quote a, a, a great bitch, I'm from Vallejo. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so tell yeah. us about your upbringing up in Vallejo. Yeah, bro. Vallejo was Vallejo was interesting because, you know, people think of the Bay Area and San Francisco as one of the bigger regions. Um, obviously, you know, you got San Francisco, you got Oakland. That, that's pretty well known. You got Berkeley. And Vallejo was this smaller city on the other side of the Carquinez Bridge. And we didn't always get our respect from other cities in the Bay that were considered the heart of the Bay. And I say that with air quotes, cause I'm from Vallejo. And so we kind of always had a different kind of chip on our shoulder because, you know, whenever we would 
go across the bridge, whether it be having to compete in sports, whether it be, you know, having to make music, whatever industry it was, we always had folks that kind of thought they were a little bit ahead of us because we just weren't right in the heart of it, mainly like the East Bay area. We were more North Bay and we were more so at the edge of the water. So, you know, we, we really talk about the water a lot and, and kind of how we got some shit in that water where we from, because that chippiness and sort of that edge and that aggressiveness um, kind of being at the bottom of the barrel in that region of the Bay Area has always made us be very intentional and to want to rise to the top and whatever it was that we did. So, you know, that's just kind of the mentality that a lot of us have growing up in the V and, and we just live with it. That's dope, man. I feel that energy. I mean, it's what, three out of four of us right now yeah. that are from Long Beach. Right. And so it's like for us, it's, it's kind of the same thing where it's like, you know, we get grouped up into the L.A. category because we're L.A. County. Yeah. You know, we're still our own city. You know what I mean? And it's like Absolutely. we want to get our own respect, our own love. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's the same thing, like the same exact thing. We are kind of like the Long Beach. What Long Beach would be the L.A. County. That's kind of what we are to the Bay. Yes, sir. No, I definitely feel that. And it's interesting that you said that because if someone were to know, like to get to know you, that's exactly how you are, bro. Like you came in to Pacific, a place where I know there's not a lot of people like you and me. And even me and you aren't the same. You're from you're from the Bay Area. I'm from L.A. area. And so yep. as people would know, it's the it's the, the same difference. Like we're cool people, but it's like we're from two totally different worlds at two the same totally time. Different worlds. So yeah. you it's like were, two different states. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So some people would be like, oh, you and Pounce from the same area. Like, no, not at all. <laughs> not, at all. Not, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And so yeah. I, do you think you took your your upbringing and really was able for you to take that at Pacific and, and excel to where most people like us, me included, had to like, fuck it, I, I, I gotta go somewhere else because this shit is just, it's not enough people like me who understand me. You were like, fuck it, I'm gonna just, I don't care what it is in front of me, I'm gonna do this and, and find my own way. Absolutely, that's how I got through. And I knew that was kind of gonna be my niche um, on the court, obviously within sport, but even I started to see that kind of translate academically as well you know Pacific really good school really good academic school I was never somebody that was like big on college I was more so I was an athlete student rather than a student athlete you know what I mean it was sports first everything after because that was kind of the culture I grew up around so when I got to Pacific and I realized the educational opportunity that was there rather than you know kind of shy away from the fact that I'm around a bunch of people that don't have the same interests that I do, that don't come from a similar background that I come from. I kind of figured out like, how can I make it to where I fit in and whatever it is that I'm doing can't really be duplicated because nobody can bring this value that I can bring based on what my background is, what my mentality is and how it is that I grew up. So the fact that I was sort of an outcast in that sense made it to where rather than feeling like an outcast and, and being discouraged by that, how can I insert myself into the situation and be a one of one? You know what I mean? Where it's like, he's the only dude that did that from Pacific rather than he doesn't fit in with the rest of the student body that's at this school because we all come from, you know, a little bit more stable backgrounds maybe than he does. Right, right. I feel right. Like it's more like you made it happen type thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, talking about how you're growing up, is there anyone that uh, kind of like instilled that kind of like a uh, personality trait in you? 
Definitely. Well, my dad, first and foremost, is who I would give a lot of credit to. Um, and then just kind of, I guess, within like sports and music, you know, coming seeing guys like E-40 when I was growing up, guys like Mac Dre when I was growing up, having a relationship with guys like CC Sabathia when I was growing up. Like from the music aspect, when you talk about E-40 and Mac Dre, just that independent hustle they had that forced them to have to go in spaces that maybe didn't really resemble them because they didn't have the big time labels pushing them. They didn't have, you know, you know, people with, with big money that was really behind them. They was having to go and get it themselves. So if they wanted to get anything out of what it was they was doing, they had to go to these other cities that didn't really resemble them, but would be willing to support them in ways that maybe kind of the mainstream population wouldn't. And then looking at sports, you know, somebody like CC Sabathia, you know, he, he's a future Hall of Famer. Vallejo is a big time baseball city. And we Absolutely. all know how like black baseball just damn near isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And CC being our baseball superstar coming from Vallejo and going to the big leagues and seeing kind of how he navigated through that. He was certainly an influence of mine, too, coming from back home to just kind of know how to represent where I come from, but also be able to withstand and, and, and fit into where it is that I'm at, even though it's outside of the city. I hear that. No, nah, that's, that's, that's beautiful, man. Uh, uh, speaking of influences, a lot of someone who was a big influence in, in our life was, was Kobe. Uh, yesterday yeah. was, was Kobe's, you know, one year rest in peace. Um, I know you, so I know that you have a daughter. Um, Speaking of Kobe, like, is there, does, did he or did anyone else inspire you? I know you talked about your dad a little bit, but I know you're a great father to your daughter. Um, would you say that he inspired you at all to be like a girl dad yourself? Or does she help you grind? Does she like give you that motivation to grind harder? Cause you do a lot of shit. We fun fact, I got fun fact. I got three daughters now. Sheesh. Wow. That yeah. is, that is yeah. fun. Last time I, yeah, I, I checked fact. in, you had a while. Okay. I was say, what's the last time you guys spoke? Cause that's how it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Oh, Congrats. I got all young Congrats. babies. But, but as far as the girl dad thing, I never really honestly thought of it from that lens until he passed away. Um, and who was the young lady who kind of did the speech about him being a girl dad on ESPN? I know, uh, her, was the anchor? I can't think of her the name. The anchor, but, yeah, her yeah. name's slipping me right now. Duncan, something Duncan. Her yeah. last name is Duncan. Um, but when she kind of did that speech, I think that resonated, resonated with any father that has daughters, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, when she did that and when she spoke on that, and then obviously, you know, I think it's unfortunate that everybody couldn't grasp what Kobe was doing as a father until after he passed. Right, and we right. see that often when you start to really reflect on people's legacies. And even though I was a big Kobe fan myself, um, one thing I feel like I could be better at that he did, especially because I work in sports media is really supporting women's sports more on a public level. Um, so, and now, and I want my daughters to play sports. So it's like I in that, you seeing kind of the steps that he took while he was alive and really kind of being able to dissect and hear the full story of his influence and his impact on women's sports. As somebody that works in sports media and has daughters, I definitely kind of want to mimic that in a way, ultimately just through my own influence, however I can. Man. Yeah. That's, that's, dope, man. that's excellent, bro. That's 
I didn't even know you had three. I'm still taking back at the three daughters. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. My, I mean, because the daughter that you know of was when I was in school. You know yeah. what I mean? When, yeah, when, yeah. When we was in school together. The, the other two, my younger two daughters, um, I had after after school, essentially. So um, it was like, yeah, yeah. Since then, you know, we ain't like got all the way deep into it. But yeah, yeah, I got a- I got some little girls that tell you that tell you, man, I must have been something else in my day. <laughs> Look, listen, <laughs> listen, man, listen. I'm so mad we're not the same age, bro. Because look, house would be like, bro, you know, I'm DJing tonight. I'm going to the club. Roll with me. I'm like, Pounce, I'm 18. Like, I can't, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a baby out here. So yeah. Pounce would have to just go on solo missions or take some of the other dudes who was older on the team, but I always missed out on them. But I heard about them. came to the Eugene functions, though. I did. <laughs> came those... to the Eugene functions. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have to get carded, so I was there. You didn't have to get carded. I yeah, was in yeah. there. He used to throw, so him and uh his his friend Isaiah, my friend too, cool dude, yep. Um, they threw these parties in Eugene, like warehouse, not even, I mean, we could, Equate them to like warehouse functions, but yeah. they're like in the wow hall. They call the wow hall. Okay, bro. When I tell you, they went up. They went. I was uh, never happier. I was. I was never happier. Uh, that's funny. Nate, Nate looked at my face and was like, "Bro, you're really happy right now." I was like, "No, yeah. I'm home, bro. Like I'm yeah, home right now." Home. Yeah, yeah, it so. was cool. It was cool because Ooh. like, because like I'm going to Pacific at the time, and my partner Zay, who I grew up with in North Vallejo since we was six, seven years old, our parents grew up together. He went to the U of O, right? Yeah. And so what happened was we got another childhood friend of ours named Tremaine Bondurant. And he played at the University of Arizona at the time when we were all in college. Um, and he, he was a starting safety at the U of A. And this the year that they, they were pretty good. They were ranked like top 10 in the nation. And they came to play against U of O. And Tremaine is really like my best friend. So he got me and like 10 of the other guys from Pacific tickets to go to the Arizona versus Ducks game. Arizona is ranked number 10 in the nation and the Ducks was ranked number two in the nation. This is when they had Mariota. Yep. So we all go to the game and I'm fucked up. Like I get <laughs> toasted because I'm about to watch my best friend play on this big stage. You know Facts. what I mean? And he was a factor out there. So, um, end up running into Zay up there because we all grew up together in the same area. And so I was, it was a Thursday night game. I'll never forget it. It was a Thursday night game. My plan was to just go to the game. And after the game, some of my teammates that I was able to get tickets for just ride back out with them. So we end up getting lit. Arizona wins. Now I'm decked out in Arizona gear because my boy done already got me hella gear. I done been to Tucson a few times. So I done been to his games in Arizona and I'm going crazy. Zay and our other partner, Bruce, they rocking with me because it's like this, the home team. Zay don't even care that he attends you. Not at all. We yeah. rooting for our childhood partner to come out here and get the upset. And they did. So I'm supposed to be going right back that Thursday night. I didn't leave Eugene until Sunday, bro. We partied <laughs> that whole weekend. Every party we went to, we turned it out. We pulling up in cars, jumping out of cars, dancing in the middle of the street. All the little college honeys is, is rocking <laughs> with us. And then, you know, next thing you know, we on everybody's social media that go to the school. Like, look at these dudes just wrecking <laughs> the place, movie. essentially. Yeah. It, it was, was a movie, but it was hella fun. And so from there, we like, man, you know what? We need to just start throwing parties out here, bro, because yeah. I have folks from Pacific that I knew would be willing to come down to Eugene. 
you know, Zay was already at the U of O and already knew everybody. So we started renting warehouses and renting little concert venues and throwing parties, bro. And that was one of our little side hustles while we was in college. Man, I, I appreciate you, bro. Something about I, I was just about to say, Arizona's lit, bro. I've Something been trying to tell you what Drew experienced. Arizona went and up, too. The, <laughs> homie, the homie Khalil went to uh, Arizona State. Oh, that really go up. They party even harder than you and me. Look, man. I, I almost, look, I almost didn't go to U of O. I almost didn't go to U of O and went straight to ASU. I, I went up with him one time for Christmas break. Christmas break. No one was no there. No one was bro. there. When I tell you it was still lit, like, it was... It was ridiculous. Both yeah. both of these scenarios, I don't even want to talk about right now. Yeah, that's, that's how lit they were. Like it was, yeah. it was. Damn. I'm just yeah. blessed to have y'all as friends, man, because that was that was a good ass time. That was crazy. I won't ever forget those. Those are moments like I just, I can't forget those. Those are dope. But that's dope to hear. I mean, like, was anybody else that you knew of? Yeah, was Jordan... it, no. But I'm saying, was anybody else throwing parties like they were? No, no. Because like, what I was gonna no. say is, I'm about to no. attribute that back to like the barrier thing, where it's like I know that that that's what they do out there. Like they they throw big parties like that out yeah, there. Yeah, because he... it's an independent hustle. You know yeah. what I mean? So we just kind of took that model that we grew up seeing our exactly. own life and brought we it over. Brought it to the college. We brought it to the college environment, and we would have our friends come perform. I mean, we had I don't Bruce. know if y'all know a Lewis Belt. He's he's growing up and he's growing into a, a pretty good comedian. Um, he recently did a, a stand up on uh, Boogie's DeMarcus Cousins Comedy Slam, oh, wow. and oh, he wow. roasted Steph Curry. When I say he roasted yeah. him, like the clip <laughs> is going viral. Check that out when you get a chance. I think I heard about but, that. But this is back when he was earlier on in his come up, and we brought him out to come rock with us and come perform with us. Um, SOB came down. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. When they first started you know, getting popping and really making a name for themselves. So like, we was also able to bring our friends that was doing shit on the scene back in the Bay Area, Simba. I don't know if y'all seen Simba, that freestyle mm -hmm. on LA yeah. Leakers. Yeah. Simba's my cousin. Simba's okay. my cousin. We okay. had Simba come out here and perform in Eugene. So a lot of these people like Drew, you didn't even know they were who they grew to be now. But SOB they was coming out there and rocking with us at the time. SOB came out two or three times, Eugene. Absolutely. Like back to back to back. I'm Absolutely. like, how, do, how is this Vallejo. happening? Yeah. They're, they're from Vallejo. They grew up with us. So the fact they're that buzzing. we Damn, was bringing them out, you know what I mean? We was bringing them out. SOB was at, you know, the biggest stage name. But like I said, people like Louis Belt and Simba, we knew on the Bay Area scene that they had some fire underneath them, but they just hadn't reached, you know, the, the national scene like they are now. So, yeah, a lot of our, our homies, we was bringing to come rock out. Yeah, and they always had a blast. I always crazy. fucked with it. I was like, if, if I could be there, I was there. The only thing that stopped me was the age factor. I was, <laughs> I was the puppy, but. But, but. but when we threw them at the concert venues, like you said, Wild Hall, it was automatic. Yeah. Wild Hall, it was automatic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I always, like, parents always show love. It was cool, bro. Like, if you were to come down, that's what you, that's when you guys should have came down for those type of shits. Like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, him and Zay, they. They made Eugene and Portland as close to the Bay as possible while they were there. 100%. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was dope. It was wish, definitely dope. Wish I would have, man. <laughs> so yeah. to ask you my next question. Um, so you graduate, right? You graduate right. from Pacific mm -hmm. and you get an internship. You land an internship at a radio station, right? And so before this, I didn't I didn't know about your love for, for being a personality on radio. I knew you DJed a little bit because you were doing that at Billards and, and yep. down in Portland. Um, but just talk about your experience, how you got that internship for some people who are might be still in school or someone who is trying to better themselves right now. Talk about really how you 
got that first stepping stone and how that got you to your own radio show. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, the internship was like during my last semester of college was that summer going into the last semester because I was a transfer student. So I had to take like an extra fall semester to ultimately graduate. So that summer before I graduated as summer of 2016, I did this internship for a radio show called The Ball Face Truth with John Canzano. And I had no idea who John Canzano was. It was actually my basketball coach, Tim Cleary, who had a good relationship with him. And one day I'm just talking to him. I'm like, man, I need an internship to graduate. Like, if I don't get an internship, I can't get credit for it. And so he like, yeah, man, let me have you holler at my guy Canzano at the time. I'm not knowing he's the biggest sports personality in this market. He's the sports columnist for the biggest newspaper. You know, he, he's on Sports Sunday, which is KGW, the NBC affiliate out here. He's on their sports show and he's got the biggest radio sports radio show in the market. So big time sports journal, well accomplished, has won all types of AP awards and stuff like that. So, you know, I ended up, you know, going and kind of just doing a job follow one day. I ended up landing the internship. And so that summer was just real dope because I got exposed to something that I never would have really been exposed to if I would have just kind of went through the motions and accepted any old internship just to graduate, which was really kind of my mentality going into it. Yeah. And I say all that to say is that's where the factor of who you know goes a long way because my coach put me in a position to where I'm interning for the best possible sports guy that I can intern for. Right. And so the internship ended up going really well. Uh, I, I still had another semester of college left. And at the end of the internship, he straight up asked me, like, what do you want to do now that the internship is coming to a close? He's like, it was a great internship and I want to support you and whatever it is that you want to do. And rather me, rather than me kind of having a conservative response, I straight up told him, like, I want your job. Like, I want to do what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to be your producer. I feel that. I, I don't want to be your board operator. I want my own show and I want to host. It. And dope. he really kind of took me through the um, step-by-step process to be able to get it from, you know, creating a PowerPoint presentation to where I could talk about the demographics and the different people that I wanted to have on the show. We still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're still here. We hear you just fine. Okay, now it's a little choppy. Okay. Okay, cool. So the demographics and the people that and the people that I wanted on the show, um, what kind of I wanted the objective of the show to be, uh, just all these different things that I needed to know so that I could pitch it to the CEO of the company. He was like, yeah. I'll get you his email, I'll get you in touch with him, see what it does. So like I said, at the same time, I still got another semester of school left. So I just go for it. I create a little demo. And believe it or not, the person who I created this demo with is somebody y'all probably are all familiar with. She goes by the name of Malika Andrews. Really? She works for ESPN, covers the NBA for How ESPN. How'd you do that, Pounce? Big time. That's so crazy. me and Malika, <laughs> yeah, true story. Because Kanzano so <laughs> knew her as well. And she went to the University of Portland. So a lot of people don't know we were going to college out here at the same time. And she was a dynamite writer already. Like we kind of knew she was going to be a star as a writer. But at that time, she had never done any broadcasting before, like very limited. So 
we get in the studio together on a Saturday morning. It's like, let's create a demo, man, to try to pitch this show. And so, you know, she didn't know kind of what her next thing was going to be yet. We nervously get through the demo and, you know, I pitch it to the radio station. And right after that, she ended up getting an internship with the New York Times as a James Reston fellow. But I still was obviously able to use the demo to just try to do what I could do with it. Didn't really get much of a response because I was still in college, had one more semester to finish. So I ended up accepting like a board operator job for like Mariners games and Portland Timbers games. And I wasn't really like working or affiliated with any show, just the games that they aired live on the broadcast. And that same demo and that same, the same objectives that I had in that PowerPoint presentation, I just said, you know what, I'm gonna turn this into a podcast. And that's how I launched my podcast, which is called Wake Up and Win. Okay. So that was March of 2017 now. That's March of 2017. And by May of 2017, the job had let go of a show and they had another slot open for another show and they were trying to hurry up and fill it. And they reached back out to me and I was actually able to give them a demo of my podcast now because I had already launched that on my own. And I ended up being able to co-host a show called the Justin and Devon show that launched in June of 2017. So that was the start of it all. That's beautiful, man. That's so and good. then Malika, by the by the way, speaking of Malika Andrews, she ended up getting the James Reston p- uh, position, but she was my first guest on my inaugural episode of my podcast where we got to talk about her landing the internship with the New York Times and all that. And then she's just skyrocketed from there. So yeah, That's it's crazy. a pretty cool connection there. That's oh, yeah. That's, That's she's awesome, huge. Man. She's huge. You guys, you guys she's huge. Yeah. She was just chilling yeah. in the bubble. Huh? She was just she was chilling one, in the bubble. Yeah, she chilling in the one bubble. Of the select few. She yeah. was getting off in the bubble. Man. Going crazy in the bubble <laughs> the entire time. And she just, I think she just won like Forbes 30 under 30. Like she, she's oh, she's out the park. No, oh, yeah. Dope. That's beautiful, bro. She's tell her. Tell her I said what's up next time you see her or talk to her. Let them know <laughs> I Drew got says, you. Hey. I got you. Uh, I got so, you. I got you. Yeah, she she's dope. So you talk about your podcast, Wake Up and Win, which is really good, by the way. You guys, if anyone's listening. Google or, or look up on your podcast, any application, Wake Up and Win by Pounce. Devon Pouncey is great. Um, what is your favorite episode that you've done and what inspires you to keep going? Because you've been doing it since, like like you said, it's 2017. Almost it's almost been four years. Yeah, and when almost I, been four years. I definitely know it's a passion project for you because you used to mass send them through Snapchat. You were like, listen, listen to me, bro. This is good shit. And so you're, you're on your way. So what inspires you and what's your favorite episode? It's crazy and, and like I literally, my last episode that I recorded is now my favorite episode. Um, and I, I'll get into that in a little bit, but um, yeah, my, my passion has just kind of been, you know, while I was working in radio, I kind of got to see the shitty side of the business too. Um, I was laid off after six months of having my radio show. So I was at the top 24 years old, full time in the top 25 media market. And six months after that, actually on my oldest daughter's birthday, I get laid off and escorted out the building like a criminal. Wow. And so, but during that whole time, I was just always kind of seeing what was going on. You know, I was just really paying attention to everything that was going on around me. Um, I would go fool with the folks over at the news station. I would go fool with the folks over at the hip hop station. 
over at the pop station just because I wanted to just be more well-rounded than just what it was that I was doing at the sports station and being in that building, I had access to these other stations because I was in there. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with that, this is also at the same time that Kaepernick takes the kneel. So I'm realizing like, Ooh, sports and politics is, is really a way to go right now. And I really got to see how huge of a lane that was because when we think of sports media, we instantly think of ESPN, Fox Sports and all of that. But the intersection of sports and politics is huge. And, and right. there's so many waves that you can make going that route that could ultimately get you to Fox and ESP, ESPN. So my podcast kind of just focuses on more of an intersection of sports and politics. And then now that I've just been able to do and accomplish so much more, it's really kind of grown in the intersection of sports politics and pop culture because I've just been able to do a lot. Um, so that was kind of the inspiration behind it. And then my last episode, I would say is my favorite. Um, I had a good friend of mine. His name is Jason Verrett. Yes, starting cornerback for the San Francisco 49ers. Sad, he was with the and t- he and I went to high school together. And he has such an inspirational story. He went to TCU, was, went to TCU, was a first round draft pick for the Chargers. Um, had a couple good years with them, then boom, he tore his ACL. After he tore his ACL, he missed a year and some change, came back, played like three or four games. The knee wasn't still all the way healed, had to get another knee surgery. And so now he's thinking that that's going to be a four to six week injury, ended up being a six, I mean, recovery, excuse me, ended up being a six month recovery. So that whole season went went down the drain. Now, coming back into the next year and in training camp doing a conditioning test boop, towards ACL ACL mm. pop so now that's a whole nother year yeah. that he's out and so then last season it's crazy last season in 2019 he's trying to get back to it but you know his body's going through a lot a couple knee surgeries an ACL tear and Achilles tear he just wasn't all the way back to himself and you know, the Niners kind of took him on a one-year deal just because he had been a first-round draft pick. He was a pro bowler in his second year in the league. And now that he's going through all of this, first time back, he gets torched. You know, first play out there, 25-yard pass interference. Next play, they went straight back at him again. Touchdown. He ended up being taken out of the game, put on, on IR for the rest of the season. So that's four years Right. That he was out because of these yeah. significant injuries and surgeries that he had to deal with. And so this year, it was kind of like his last shot. He was on a minimum deal. And, you know, he was he really went hard, though, that last time he went on IR and really just training and getting fully back to himself. And he kind of treated that like a season of its own. And then you go into COVID, it pushed everything back. So mm-hmm. OTAs is usually in like what, late March, early April, they don't have to report to OTAs. Training camp starts further back. So he had kind of the whole year from, you know, the end of the season and, you know, the, the Niners went to the Super Bowl last year. So from the Super Bowl all the way up until August to really, really train right. and get right. And this year he balled out for the Niners and he's a comeback player at a year award finalist. But it wasn't just the injuries that was so interesting in this particular episode we really talked about the mental adversity mm, right. that he went through through four years of kind of being at the highest of heights as a pro bowler 
to just a super duper steep decline and not really being able to play and having to sign these one year minimum deals. And now he's back, you know, to full to full form. And, and, you know, he's a comeback player of the year war finalist, and he's looking to get paid a pretty healthy check during this reagency. So I like just that. talking through it with him because he's, because he's been really quiet about it. Cause when you're not available, what much can you say? You got the fans criticizing you. You don't want to say the wrong thing. So these front offices don't resign you. And he's just been really, really quiet and kind of bottling it all in. And you can really feel on this last episode that he just, he let it all out. It was almost like a therapy session. And we were just kind of coming in expecting to just talk about his story. But as I kept, listening to him talk i'm realizing like damn he ain't really been able to speak on none of this Facts. on no other platform like that it was you know good. what i mean because it was good, he just, bro. i heard it all it, it, was, it was crazy yeah it was crazy from start to finish so that that ended up becoming my favorite episode because it was just it was it was just a crazy story but super inspirational it's crazy you bring that up because jeremy and i were chargers fans so it was kind of devastating once our secondary started uh, taking shape and he goes down. Yeah. There was like, what yeah. do we do? Yeah. It- yeah. I mean, he, he was a first round draft pick and ended up being, like I said, ended up being a pro bowler in his second year. So his trajectory yeah, he was, was a CB top five corner in the league, Exactly, <laughs> you know, and then it just all falls down from there. And so he just finally was able to back bounce back um, this season. Man. Yeah. I just, I loved it, bro. That's a good episode. If you guys haven't watched that episode, if you guys are going to go to Wake Up and Win, that's that's what you start with. That was a really good episode. It goes deals with everything from Absolutely. mental health to going through adversity. Um, and he doesn't hold back. He really talks all about it. So go ahead and watch that. But as you talk about you when you're at the radio station and making sure mm-hmm. that, you know, you weren't just boxing that one show and going out doing different things, uh, you also – you say you were in politics, you were in a couple of news shows talking, you know, your talk about what's going on in the Portland area, which was very important this year. They went through a lot. Um, and even, yeah. even now you're, you're in this organization called street roots. Am I right? Absolutely. So for people who don't know, speak about that a little bit more and just how you done that and how your passion is not only just in sports, but in helping the community as well. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, like I said, during the time, I, I never really had a crazy political interest dating all the way through when you know my senior year of college and yeah we never talked about it bro i think you made a full 180 from from the pounce that i initially met which is a beautiful thing everything's about growth and you're still the same you but your growth is just beautiful to see continue though it's been insane yeah i didn't grow up with a bunch of political interests um i started to more so learn about politics through the lens lens of sports like i said at that time you had a at that time, you had the whole Kaepernick stuff going on. And then I was fortunate to take a course at Pacific, and uh, it was called Sports and Politics. Like, it was a course uh-huh. that focused strictly on how sports and politics intersect. And my professor, Dr. Jules Boykoff, I'm still tight with him to this day. He's like the go-to guy when it comes to the politics of the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. But he would have, like, different sports activists come into our class you know, throughout the semester. And so as I'm meeting them and then you got, you know, this Kaepernick stuff going on and then me just being who I am, I get into this radio space and I'm realizing like most of the people at the sports station 
are either A, trying to kind of stay away from the politics and how it intersects with sports, or B, their views are completely opposite of minds when it comes to the politics and sports space. And so, you know, with that, I just really got interested in it. And there was a guy, I'm going to just say his name. His name is Lars Larson, and he's one of the top conservative radio hosts in the country, like syndicated in like damn near 100 different cities. Um, he's based here out of Portland, super duper conservative. And every day, his show and my show aired around the same time. Oh, While man. I was doing prep for my show, he would come to my cubicle and my co-host cubicle is right next to mine and he would just debate us. And he would more so speak from the conservative side of things, you know, shitting on Kaepernick and shitting on basically stuff that I stood for. But rather than me get mad, I would just debate my side of the game. Educate and, where my, him. Yeah. and educate him where my stance was. And whether it got through to him or not, I still don't know. It probably didn't. I think he's still kind of on that same type of time. Mm -hmm. But he really kind of garnered my respect. And since he was kind of the top dog with the biggest show, you know, I, I kind of said to myself, like, the fact that these are the narratives that are going out there from these types of platforms and they hold the biggest space on these platforms, I got to make a difference in one way or another. Right. So I just knew I had to make a difference and really be able to speak for the side of the game that I'm on because that was my first time seeing in a real news-like setting that, oh, these people don't really fuck with my people like that. Right. Mm -hmm. That I would want them to for sure. And they hold a lot of this space that I'm in right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of standing alone in this but instead of being discouraged by that, it kind of gave me a boost. Like it encouraged now, you. now I'm about to turn into something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm going to do it, right. but I'm going to do it. Yeah. It gave me that drive. Like they, they hold in this space and they got too much power. Too many people listen to them. That message is getting heard on such a mass scale. I got to, you know, create a difference in whatever way I can with the little platform that I do have. And so from there, when I got laid off from radio, you know, everybody is like, hey, man, you know, you need to look into other radio jobs across the country and other markets. You had a good show. You got all of this. Um, you know, you got all the footage and all the recordings and the audio that you need. And usually, you know, after six months, if you don't land another job, your career is basically over. But I never once applied to another radio station because I'm like, yeah, y'all say that, but to me, sports is easy. I've been around sports mm -hmm. all my life, but I'm seeing who the big dogs is in this building, and they're the ones that's involved with these politics. And so I ended up being able to, unfortunately, I mean, being able to fortunately know some people over at Street Roots, and I started freelance reporting for them. And I, I wrote about, you know, how sports intersected with politics. From there, ended up landing a full-time job with Street Roots, as a vendor program coordinator and in July, I got promoted to a vendor program director. So now I do yes, a lot sir. of advocacy. You know what I mean? I do a lot of advocacy on, on behalf of the homeless population and you know, you know, racial populations that are underrepresented. Um, and you know, I, I'm now rubbing shoulders with a lot of these politicians and elected officials, and I'm really, you know, making a difference with my platform. So 
you know, with that, I still got my sports background and I do my broadcasting over at Portland State. My sports podcast is still fully in motion, but my my day-to-day job is in politics, you know, really trying to make a change out here in the community. So, like I said, just seeing the message that I saw getting spread on this platform at such a massive scale, I had to figure out a way to be a difference maker myself for the home team. And it's crazy going back to um, the Kaepernick situation about kneeling, how that took a complete 180 and how kneeling is seen differently because of the white man who kneeled on George Floyd. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely, man. The, The symbolism of that is insane. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, with the George Floyd thing, you know, that definitely brought me to tears when I initially watched that video. And, you know, I was sad, I was depressed about it, but then I had to snap out of it. And the reason why I had to snap out of it is because now that this racial conversation is happening at such a high rate, you have the white folks that do side with, you know, the black community and are against police brutality Mm -hmm. that are kind of looking to give opportunities to black folks because they are now kind of looking themselves in the mirror, realizing the privilege that they have, realizing the platforms that they have. And now they're kind of, you know, being influenced to try to make a difference with whatever it is that they have. And so I had already been doing this work behind the scenes when it came to racial inequality and inequality with homelessness and, you know, police brutality and how it affects homelessness. I I was a part of something called Portland Street Response, which was basically an alternative to policing because here in Portland um, at Monoma County in 2017, over 50% of the arrests were people that were homeless. And 25% of that was violent crimes, but the most of it really is like, you know, mental health breakdowns and things of that sort. It's not really like violent crimes. It's just that the police are getting called to come to these situations and ultimately it's just ending in arrest. Right. They're not, they're not well equipped to handle those situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that cycle is just going on and going on and the numbers obviously support that. And so, you know, I did the Portland Street response fast forward to the George Floyd situation. Now, Portland Street response, the city of Portland invested a half a million dollars into it in 2019. It it got a good, it it caught traction. They're like, all right, we'll put it, we'll invest a half a million dollars into it. Fast forward to George Floyd and the Portland protests taking place and everybody's on this defund the police kick. And here in Portland, they ended up defunding the police of about $15 million and they invested 4.8 million of that oh, yeah. into wow. Portland Street response. Wow. Okay. So, so yeah. So now with that, I'm starting to get a lot of coverage because one, I was kind of one of the only black guys that really was a part of that work group right. with the Portland Street response model and, and really played a significant role in getting it off the ground. Um, and then for two, like I said, you know, you got white people that got uncomfortable even if they supported the Black Lives Matter movement, even if they were against police brutality, it was un- it was uncomfortable for them to speak on. So now I'm starting to make all of these appearances and I'm having to speak on these things, obviously just as a Black man in America in particular, but also from a political aspect and how some of the messaging from these protests could actually translate into real change, into real government change, 
um, into real legislative change and things like that because something that I was a part of ended up really, you know, kind of getting funds reallocated to it after port after the Portland Police Department was defunded. And so from there, I was making a lot of local appearances. And then that turned into national appearances. And now I'm doing a lot of international appearances. So big time. I could have never wrote this story. Right. For you real. Know, That's crazy. Back when we was in college, Drew. Bro, I could have never <laughs> look every time I see it's just like crazy, damn bro. pounce. Like it's it's for, for both of us though, but like it was all we talked about was basketball, man. 2016. Right. That's all we, we cared about. All we talked about was basketball and, and girls and parties. That was it. That was all yeah. of our conversations. I either I could or couldn't go to the function. Either I am or am not going to the gym with you. You know what I mean? Like it's yep. but now it's like you we're growing up. So it's a beautiful thing growing to see. Up. You know and what I mean? I mean, I'm not, I can't say that I'm surprised, but um, I'm definitely impressed. No, I'm I'm (laughs) just saying impressed because I, no one pounds. He was always kind of on his own way. He was going to, I didn't think he was going to not be successful. But you can be surprised and still astonished at what he's doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm more impressed though, because he's always been well-spoken, you know, like I've always, the conversation was always good, but to see him be a leader like this, um, it inspires me. It inspires me. And it's not a lot of people that inspire me, bro. There's not a lot of people yeah. that I get like wow about, but I'm really like wow when I see I, you. Bro. I appreciate that, bro. And, and sometimes, you know, because I'm so face down into the work, just because mm-hmm. one, the industry that that I'm in, like you gotta grind. That's the only way, your only way out of it. Right. Two, I got mouths to feed, you three know. Of them. Three of <laughs> them. And three, and three, it's like. I'm actually making shit happen. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes, you know, it's only in moments like these when I go on other people's podcasts that I even get to reflect on some of the shit that I've been able to do and accomplish, which is some major shit. Major. I'm always, you know, laser focused and doing the work. It's like once I tackle one thing, I'm straight on to the next thing and I'm always doing a hundred different things at once. So the only time that I really get to like kind of reflect on some of that is when I'm on platforms like these and I could just kind of talk through it. And sometimes it still even catches me off guard. Like, damn, nigga, you did all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you <laughs> did. It, it's happening in real time, you know? Yeah, man. I'm oh, so yeah. glad that you was able to to come on with us, man, just because yeah, man. Thank you. I think you do deserve to talk your shit like this. And I know you don't, you try to keep it as humble as possible on Instagram, which is cool. But I thought it was extremely important that we had you on so you could just tell the world or at least our world that we live in and who watch us that like, you know, you're doing big things and they should tune in and support you, you know, by any ways can. Absolutely, man. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, with what y'all doing, man, you know, just don't ever stop because that's one thing I can say is through all of this, you know, through the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, being hired, being fired. You know, like I said, being escorted out of the building like a criminal. Mm-hmm. Never once did I have the mentality of, you know, doing this for any kind of short term game, short term game. Um, it's always kind of been me playing the long game. And the longer I stay in it, the more shit I'm starting to see unravel. And I, I think that's a common thing for a lot of people that just stick to their guns and just don't ever stop working. You know what I mean? More opportunities open up because you know you haven't closed them down on yourself because you stand in it (laughs) you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like if you ain't in it the opportunities won't present themselves but 
Preach, you stay bro. in it. That's how the doors end up opening. So that's one thing with me. I could, I, none of this shit was scripted. You know what I mean? I came into college, transferring from a junior college. I was a goddamn, um, what was I? Uh, kinesiology major. Yeah. I'm not in <laughs> exercise yeah. science. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when I transferred to Pacific, they like, oh yeah, so do you want to stick to this major? And I'm like, no, not really. I just did what I had to do to get out of junior college and now I'm here. So right. what's up? So what's up? <laughs> <we got? laughs> it felt like literally this is how I'm talking to my advisor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't got no plan. I'm just here, bro. You know, I'm going to go play for the basketball team and you know, the rest of it will just kind of it'll figure it itself out. out. Yep. Did you it'll have figure itself out? Did you have any interest in politics during that time? Like, was it? No. Oh, really? No. Strictly wow. hoops, bro. It was ball. It was hoops. hoops. It was <laughs> like music. That's you know what crazy. I mean? I, I come from a, a heavy music background, you know, back home in the Bay Area. I wasn't in the politics. I was throwing parties, man. We was out, <laughs> you know, hanging out the sunroof. <laughs> so, you know, like that's what I was doing when I was in college. I was throwing parties, playing ball and, you know, kicking it. That's dope. That's dope to hear some of the stuff you've been through and then how it's actually turning out to, to work out for you. And on top of that, now you're in a position where you can make some lasting, meaningful impact on not only your community, but, you know, everybody else around you. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Like I said, it's, you know, it's so much more that, that I, it's so much more to the story that I can't, you know, always fit it all in. But right. like I said, sometimes I just be having to sit and reflect like, man, coming from where I come from mm -hmm. and being able to be in the places and spaces that I've been in where it's like not many of my childhood friends or people that I come came up with would even fathom that uh -huh. they could be in. It's like, you know, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate on that front to be able to represent a community that I know feels like the stuff that I'm doing is movie like to them, because yeah, that's, the right. only, that's the only place we see it. That's the only exposure that we have to it. And for me, like it's becoming real life. And so I make sure to kind of represent who I am and where I come from whenever I walk through those doors, whether it be, you know, in person or, or now virtually, you know, with right. COVID. But right. yeah, I, I always kind of keep that at the forefront. It's like, I was one of the few of my childhood friends that's able mm -hmm. to even be in this position. So I'm gonna make sure I represent them while I do it. So while we have you in a, in a reflective state, do you have any idea of like, what's next? Like what you kind of have uh, planned on doing, whether it's in your podcast space and politics, music, yeah, what's the future looking like for Pounce? What are you trying to be in the next year or two? Man, I, it's so much. Honestly, man, like I haven't settled in on a particular thing because I'm really fortunate that I'm making way in so many different industries. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm obviously making way politically with the work that I do at Street Roots. I'm still making way in sports because I'm a college basketball TV analyst. So mm -hmm. You never know what opportunity may present itself from that. Um, but that podcast is really where my heart is because that's the place where I can kind of do some of the brain dumping of all the different things that I'm doing right now. And, you know, I want that to be the kind of centralized location for people to go to, to be able to receive all the information that I have that I'm able to dish out based on some of the things that I'm able to do professionally and some of the things that I'm able to experience because of what I do. Um, and I really want that thing to grow. So I, again, 
going back to those roots of that independent rap hustle, you'll start to see a lot more of that with the podcast from really jumping into the merch game heavy this year, okay. really jumping into the Patreon game heavy. Nice. Um, I've been doing strictly audio for the most part. So this year, you know, I'm doing video along with it now. So the podcast is really what I could say is like the most direct thing in regards to what I kind of want to amplify, especially in COVID where, you know, the outside opportunities in regards to me being able to switch markets and stuff like that is a little bit more limited because everybody right. is dealing with the constraints that the, the protocols ha have placed upon us. But the podcast is the most tangible thing that I have right in front of me that I just want to kind of continue to grow out and build so that I can always have that platform to, to just be my space that I own, that I'm also making an income off of to where if things don't work out with me and any of these other platforms that either I'm with right now or may have the opportunity to, to be with in the future, I can always fall back on that and, and it'll keep me afloat. Man, sponsor away. The episodes you got coming, it's only a sponsor away, bro. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's on the door. I see it. Absolutely. And it's coming. It's coming. And now I'm just being more intentional about making it happen with the podcast. I feel that. Just so the people out there know and can be inspired. How old were you when you got kindly escorted out um, from your radio station show six months in? I was 24 years old. 24. I was 24 okay. years old. Yes, never yeah, too late. I was 24 mm -hmm. years old. You said what? I feel like sometimes people our age, they think that it's over before it even starts. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. I just wanted to make it a, a, a point in, a point to people know that you that happened to you at 24. For some people, if that happens yep. to them at 24, they're like, damn, it's I got it. It's over. I got to hit the yeah. But it, you're young. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're young. Like right. it's, there's still a lot of time. A lot of opportunity. A lot of opportunity. Right. And so it yeah. It goes to what he was saying before. Don't ever close the door on yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't close it on yourself. Have that faith. You can, you know, people, people will shut the door in your face sometimes or, or they'll escort you out the door in my case. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but I never shut any door on myself. I, I always say yes, honestly. Like, <laughs> you know, most people always say, don't be afraid to say no and all that. Right. Now I'm saying yes, because I ain't where I want to be yet. So. I need it all. Anything that I feel like can help me get there, I'm saying yes to it yeah. because, you know, it's a lot more work to be done. And I don't never want to feel like I'm I'm too privileged or I'm too big time to kind of fall back and, and lean on some of the basics that A, may have got me here or B, that I can hone in on to keep me consistent while I'm here. So, you I know, I, I, I say yes to just about everything. Because you never know, you know, you saying yes to the right thing could take you somewhere you could have never really imagined. Right. I, I thought agree, we were special man. for a second. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. Did you guys have any more questions for my man, pals? Uh, I got a quick question. So okay. I was watching, um, I don't know if you know that uh, podcast uh, Lip Service with Angela E. Absolutely. All right. So I was watching that because she had uh, E-40 and Too Short on there. And um, right. E-40 was talking about people be riding horses and stuff over there. <laughs> Is that true? In the hillside, Beverly Hills. They call it Beverly Hills. That's exactly that's, what you call that's it. Actually, what? That's actually the neighborhood my dad is from. Like, I know E-40. You might go see on my Instagram. Yeah. You might see pictures, you know, with, with me and E-40, like, real close family friend. And, yeah, man, Vallejo is, is, is pretty country in a way. 
Um, and you definitely might see folks riding around on a horse just down the street in real That's life, even though we're still in the Bay Area. Like, we, we different, bro. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I think he, I think he it, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies or something like that. That's what he called yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The neighborhood, Beverly Hills, Magazine Street. All of that, man. Like, like Vallejo, that, that's my stomping grounds. And yeah, I've seen plenty of horses walking around town growing up. See, I was wondering, because I have family up there. I've never been to Vallejo, but I have family up in Oakland. My brother lives in San Jose and stuff. So I'm usually like lower down compared to where you guys are. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, the Bay is the Bay, though. You know, we, we, we definitely all come from, you know, a, a unique background in regards to just the pace that we operate at. Uh, we, we're super innovative you know obviously you know you could talk about the tech space um amongst any other things like i said the independent grind like we had to get real creative and innovative and in just about you know every space that we desire to be in and we've had a lot of success in doing so so you know anywhere you go in the bay you'll realize like mentally we're a little bit twisted because we always yeah. trying to be the first to get some shit done mm -hmm. and we'll do just about anything to make it happen. <laughs> like sometimes that. it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a curse, but <laughs> that's just, that's just what's in that water out there. Now, uh, my last question for you. So you talk about your activism and stuff. How often do you go home and kind of take that activism into your own community back home? In Vallejo? Yeah. Okay. You know, um, not much yet. That's something I definitely want to be able to do. Um, but I'm so deep in the grind where I am, you know, I'm, I'm pretty busy. You know what I'm saying? And like, I, I'm just not home to be able to kind of reach out and touch. Now, where I hope I am making an impact and influence is by being able to show my people back home what it is that I'm doing. And, you know, I hope hopefully that maybe they receive some of the models that I'm dishing out and they learn how to flip it themselves to be able to make mm -hmm. and create change out there through whatever it is that they see me doing on social media or whatever they hear me talking about and discussing on my podcast. But, you know, I haven't really been able to go back home and make the impact that I want to in Vallejo, but you know, that's definitely on, on my bucket list. It just hasn't really happened yet. Understandable. I feel that, man. Uh, I got I got one request before before we go, man. Please talk to me. Tell my people, whoever's watching, uh, my friends here. Before this ankle broke, let them know <laughs> how I was on their asses. Little let Drew is saucy. Little Drew is saucy. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. And, and Drew Drew is my little homie. So uh, Drew is a little pit bull out there. I'm sick in him on him. You know what I mean? The guards, the guards out there, get in him, Drew. You know what I mean? And, and Drew would get in him. Drew got to, when Drew got to talking, that's when Drew was at his best. When Drew got quiet and, and, and reserved, it's like, nah, Drew, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't you. Like you know what I mean? Shit. But when Drew, once Drew got to yapping, like it, he, he had a mentality of now I ain't got no choice but to back it up. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it, it was kind of almost like a pressure he would put on himself when he started talking and that's when I thought he was at his best because like I said, he kind of didn't have no choice, but to come through, you know what I'm saying? So Facts. I, I used to love being in the open gyms and stuff with Drew and having him on my team because with me, it, it's more so about the mental. If you got some dog in you, we going to win. Oh yeah. The rest going to take care of itself. Drew oh, yeah. had that dog in him. 
Facts. All right. Well, I'm glad you did that. This is crazy. <laughs> How you trying to gloat like this? Like we didn't see him all through high school. I know, for real. I mean, but you mean you I mean think, the other viewers? You mean the other viewers? The other viewers, man. But, no, I'm I, saying that because you said my, my viewers and my friends. Well, right because yeah, I can yeah. say I can say like I was really on the ass before I hurt my ankle. I think that's just me saying it. But sometimes. I need other people like Pounce who to was verify. there yeah, to yeah. verify. So you guys don't think I, I was that. just bullshit. But I mean, we, we know you're not we, bullshit. We've seen like, you, you know. from the from the mud, bro. Y'all yeah. not the listeners. Y'all on the show. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, yeah. And it's really the that's listeners why. know, man. It's really it's more the yeah, it was more of a shot. You saying my friends like we 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 didn't experience it firsthand. Facts, 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 facts. All right. Well, mostly for the listeners, but don't get it fucked up. It was out there. I I had it. I had some game balls, but. But yeah, man. So you have any questions for us before we take off, man? I know, I know you got you a real busy man. So absolutely. But well, what, what's y'all plan, man? Like, what do y'all see for yourselves with Content Kings? You know what I mean? Just based on, you know, obviously you came in with a strategy. I would imagine most people do, but now y'all in it, and as you get in it, you start to learn as you go. So, you know, now at the point where y'all are now, like, how y'all feeling? You know, what do y'all want to kind of build on? What are some of the adjustments y'all feel like y'all may need to make to ultimately get to where y'all want to go? Um, we kind of had a little conversation about it the other day. Uh, my my take on that was kind of um, when we're when we want to do something or have things uh, planned out, we kind of need to be more decisive and concise on how we want to kind of uh, attack that. And that was one of the issues, not issues, but like kind of the points that I wanted us as a whole to kind of start developing and getting that down. Yeah, so, so to answer that more deeply, you said that we probably came in with the strategy. We didn't. We, didn't, yeah. mm -mm, we yeah. just came okay. in. We just came in and said, all right, I mean, yeah, we talk a lot. Let's let's just do it. Yeah. And so yeah. okay. after the first episode, we were like, all right, we got to change the way our mics are set up. We got to change right. our audio. Second episode was like, ah, it's a little better. Let's do it again. Yeah. So it's more like trial and error. But yeah. now it's like, like trial and error. Even then, we had like four episodes that I haven't even made it just because of audio issues. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was a lot of trial and error, but right. in terms of now, I think now we're starting to have a direction. We kind of figured what we want to do is kind of in a group. You, I was going to say you kind of want to hold that ourselves. Off. What's that? Okay, no. I was going to say, you know, hold that off for the for the next uh the next episodes. But no, go ahead. I just don't want you to go into too much detail. No, nah, I'm not I'm not going to say no, yeah. I'm not going to say yeah, any yeah. episode. Okay. But I want us to kind of be to be our individuals within a group. I think before right. in our episodes, we were kind of all, it was kind of like, they didn't know if it was a sports show. They didn't know if it right. was a yada, yada. But I feel like our direction is what, which is what I, I want us to really put in the dirt, in the ground that everyone knows throughout this next year is that we are all individuals who are doing really big things. For me, I'm deep in the community. I work with homeless people. I'm also work with sports. So that's my niche. People, I bring people like you on, different things of that sort. That's that's me, right? right. Kyler is a nurse, right? Anything that's going on the medical field, COVID virus right now, that's him, right? My guy Carson, who's not here, um, PTO. He's in politics. He's in <laughs> politics like you. He you guys would have right. you you would have loved to have him here go yeah, back and forth, sure, right? Yeah. And then Jeremy Khalil. I mean, I work with the homeless too. Khalil works I'm with the homeless as well. And then we got Germ, who's fitness trainer, Nike guy, Shadow Man Germ, kind of, kind of like our, our spirit of the team. It's Germ does everything in the shadows, but it's really like behind the it doesn't, it doesn't stuff. move without Germ. Um, yeah. So it's just all of us, all of us, basically inspiring the youth, 
that are younger than us and then people who are older, older than us too just that you know we're trying to figure it out like everyone else but yeah we're gonna talk about it and make you guys feel better while we do it absolutely absolutely if i had to give any advice to that is just yeah I, I think that's a good way to go and just lean it lean into who you are lean into what it is that you're doing that way you know your lane can't be duplicated you know i, I think people sometimes get caught up on the glamour of this industry when a lot of it is really grind, a lot of it is grit and, and, and a lot of it is, you know, creating your own space because if you think you're gonna take the job of somebody that you're trying to be like, it's probably gonna, you can model certain things after them, right. but it's probably gonna be a bit harder to do if you're trying to be them exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? But when you kind of create your own lane in your own space, you'll be able to take a little bit of the influence that you have from them and incorporate it into the work it is that you do and who it is that you are. And it's easier to kind of affect and influence the people that are already around you that are doing that same work and kind of utilize them to be able to start to grow that base because they're going to be interested in what you're talking about because they're doing the same work that you're doing. You know what I mean? Rather than you trying to go fish for this fan base that has no connection to you. So, yeah, just lean into, you know, whatever it is that y'all doing as individuals and and be willing to expound on that in the podcast space. And, you know, now your your co-worker is going to want to hear about it because they can feel your pain because they do the work with you. You know what I mean? Or just the people that you interact with through work are going to be willing to support it more. And now you got a base and then you know, as you go, you're going to grow anyway. So yeah, just, just lean into which, what it is that you're doing and don't be willing to, I mean, be willing to change in the process of that too. Mm-hmm. Like, don't feel like you have to be a certain way, mm-hmm. like adapt, you know what I mean? Right. Kind of the same way that I had to adapt to this politics shit. Like it wasn't in my cards initially, but you know, I, I seen where things was going. Like I said, especially around the time when the Kaepernick stuff was going on. And I adapted to that. And now I'm able to do so much more because of it. So always be willing to adapt too. Love that, man. That's that's some solid advice. Thank you so much. Well, all right, man. This is this is Content Kings. Pounce, thank you, man. Thank you. No problem, man. Y'all keep it rocking. Appreciate you coming on, dog. So we'll talk to you later, man. We'll see you in touch. Hey, and with your street roots thing, I know you talked about it coming to LA, or that's your dream of yours. So if there's any way that me I can help, I work at homeless, Claire works at homeless. We we got some connections between the two of us. Let us know. Yeah, I definitely want to see a street paper in LA. It's a good movement. It's been very influential and made a lot of impact. It's an industry that I love being in right now. And so, you know, certainly something that I think LA could use. And I'm actually shocked that there isn't like a, a street paper mm-hmm. out there. So yeah, yeah it, it's definitely room for that. For sure, man, for sure. Well, it's all love on this end, man. Thank Hello. you for everything. Contact yeah. Kings, you're not saying royalty. We out. Later. Boom. Thank you. All my niggas kick it in the north side. Looking for a vibe on a Friday night. Shit, ain't that right? Me and both my niggas kick it in the north side. Looking for a vibe on a Friday night. Shit, ain't that right? Me and both my niggas kick it in the north side. Looking for a vibe on a Friday night. Shit, ain't that right?